You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Welcome everybody and thank God for our time together. Uh, my name is Jeremy Horton. I'm serving today as an associate pastor to Pastor Capacey, who is away at this time with his family. And also alongside our elders and pastoral staff, and we again are so glad uh, that we have the time to worship today together. I will let you know that as we start up together, Pastor Capacey is, uh, has begun preaching a sermon series in recent weeks titled, When God Shows Up. Now the response of this series is because there has been a very known factor of revival and awakening that God is doing at Gospel Light. Uh, he's already mentioned that at the beginning of the series. And, and so we are able to tell that, wow, God is up to something here in our midst. And there's a great revival taking place within the hearts of the church family. We thank God for that. I will say to you that uh, while he is in that series today, I want to preach in a direction uh, that is just to complement the series. This is not a part of the series. As much as it is to support where we are, and in this time that we have together. And if he's in four messages, and he's already preached two, and he has two to preach when he returns, then you are stuck with me at halftime, okay? So we're kind of at halftime between the messages, and what I want to do is have a time to talk to the team. Just talk to the team. I don't have any statistics to give you about rebounds and turnovers and missed calls. Instead, these statistics I want to give really are in a different form. They have everything to do with what the Bible teaches as fasting and prayer. For the next two Sundays, we are going to be camping out in Matthew chapter 6 in the New Testament and see what Jesus talked to us about with fasting and prayer. Now, the reason why these two areas of the Scriptures and the Christian life are selected is because they are directly connected to revival and spiritual awakening for any people of God of any generation that's ever lived. Take prayer and fasting in the midst of God doing something great in someone's life, and you will find that that testimony intensifies and grows. Today, what we understand with prayer and fasting is that these two spiritual disciplines really serve as the voltage that empowers continued revival and the spiritual awakening. Because Pastor Capace is in the sermon series that he's in as his response as lead pastor to the church to say, hey church, pay attention, God's doing something. Let's experience God's presence in a much more powerful and amazing way. Prayer and fasting serve as some glue that binds and holds a lot of these dynamics together. Prayer and fasting in the Bible are used to be a part of mighty moves of God that sustain those moves of God. Things that God's doing involving prayer and fasting are, are critical in the Old and the New Testament. When you and I think about this subject, we have to go back and think, what makes it so needed? Why fasting? Why prayer in this, in this regard? What makes these things needed? Let me just kind of change gears for a moment and turn your attention to the screen. I want to show you a video clip. It's pretty quick and it's pretty simple. Here's what it is. <clears throat> it's 
This man found a sheep. This is a shepherd. He's helping the sheep. As you can tell, the sheep is stuck in this big pit. I found this online the other day. Thought it was great. He gets it out. Finally, the sheep is free, but it runs away from the shepherd. All of a sudden, <clears throat> what a disaster. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> I saw somebody make a statement, a post about They said, yeah, that pretty much sums up my whole Christian life. <laughs> How many of you can relate? Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. You know, when you and I think about fasting and think about prayer, let me just go ahead and make this statement. These are disciplines. They are not automatic. They don't necessarily happen naturally. They are things that we need. And the reason why we need them as a part of our discipline, like when we pray or go to church or read our Bibles and share the gospel. The reason why we need these other disciplines in our life is because we are reminded that without them, sometimes our freedom in Christ, we get so free, and the more free we are, the more feeble we are without the shepherd. Get free long enough, and you'll realize just how far you may have gotten away, like the sheep on the screen. We can be free and then be stuck in the same moment. We've got to realize the only way out of that is through Jesus. The only way to follow, the only way to lead, the only way to live is through Christ. Truly, life makes no sense until it's lived through Jesus. Isaiah 53 and 6 says this. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, or Jesus, the iniquity of us all. In John 10, 27, Jesus says, my sheep... Hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Prayer and fasting serve as disciplines that we need reoccurring in our Christian life as much as the air we breathe. They need to be a part of everything we do because they keep us humble and dependent on our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the shepherd. We want to follow him. We want to stay near him. And the further somebody gets away from Christ, the harder it is to hear his voice. But when you sit at his feet, and you know him, and you commune with him, and you walk with him, and you love him as he loves you, that is what life for the Christian should look like. Let's determine not to leave this worship service without giving prayer and fasting its rightful place in our walk with Jesus, beginning first with fasting. Let me just make the statement that D. Martin Lloyd-Jones made. You'll find this in your notes. Here is what he proposed, and I think he's on to something. Listen to this. I wonder whether we have ever fasted. I wonder whether if it has even occurred to us that we ought to be considering the question of fasting. The fact is that the whole subject seems to have dropped right out of our lives and ride out of our whole Christian thinking. According to what we understand, the question is worth an answer. The question that anybody who is a follower of Jesus Christ would want to ask themselves at this moment would be, is fasting a part of my Christian life? It's a simple yes or no. For some of us it may be, well it used to be, there have been times in my life where 
I would have the discipline of fasting and seeking the Lord in prayer, but it kind of faded away. And then for some of us, it may be, actually, Jeremy, I have never really practiced fasting. I mean, I know about it. I know it's in the Bible, but it's not something that I've ever done. When I'm talking about fasting, we're not limited in this or reducing it to medical, such as MPO after midnight, fasting before a procedure you can't eat after midnight or drink after midnight, or, or blood being drawn and those things. We're not getting into that. We're talking about spiritually, not medical. Fasting according to what the Scripture actually teaches and staying with that. If it's possible that some of us say, man, I'm just, I just haven't had this as a part of my discipline with Christ and I, I need to know what God says. Let's listen carefully then to what he says. If that's the case. Because it is supposed to be a part of the way in which we walk with Christ. Let me explain. Because the word fasting actually comes in Matthew 6, it's the text, And we learn that this word for fast in the Greek basis of the language, it simply meant to just to to cover your mouth. It was was translated uh, to not eat or to abstain from food. A lot of times people will try to use fasting in different interpretations of what to abstain from, but in God's genius wisdom, he made sure we would not mistake this. It literally means to go without food. God knows you and I truly would fast when we take the time to make sure we go without food. Fasting from ESPN is not fasting. Amen? Sorry to disappoint you. Fasting from ESPN is not fasting. We can live without TV, but we just can't live without food. Fasting is going to be different for every single person. Sometimes people can fast, and the one thing they got to fight is hunger pains, and that's as far as it gets. Others sometimes have medical conditions. And the period of time that they can fast may be reduced because they have medications they have to take. They certainly wouldn't want to compromise their health. We get that. It's not a question of if it's a matter of that when we fast, as Jesus will show us in the text. When we get into this and think about it overall, overall, fasting just breaks us down. Fasting is God's way of getting a chance to get our attention Because he knows we've got to eat. He knows that we must eat to live. So when you can take away anything else out of life, but you take away food, the body's got to have food to survive. When God says, remove the food, seek me, come after me, suddenly there is something that's going to begin to happen in our relationship with Christ in the regard of when fasting happens. Fasting breaks the flesh down so the flesh is not depending on itself to try to have confidence in itself. Fasting makes you suddenly realize, my flesh is weak. I don't have enough. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough stamina. I don't have enough whatever. It makes us so vulnerable and so needy to listen to what God has to say. Yeah. So God, he instrumented fasting to be without food. When it breaks us down, it humbles the pride in us. It quiets the hype of busyness. It rejuvenates solitude with God. It strongly increases sensitivity to the very words of God. It revives our trust like that of a child. It brings us to a place of brokenness and humility to where when we begin walking with Christ while we fast, we are experiencing the power of his presence in a dynamic way like we would not have known if we had not fasted. 
There's power in the way God has instrumented fasting to be part of the walk with Christ. Fasting gets us ready for God's answer. Fasting is not easy. Fasting's really not fun. But fasting is powerful for the walk with Christ if we live with him in this manner. Fasting is an invitation from Jesus saying, come and fast. But it's not an obligation. It's not legalism. It's not meant to be some cloud over somebody's head. It is, fasting speaks to relationship. Fasting is me wanting to fast, desiring to fast, knowing when I do fast. It is a relating to Christ. It's not some forced rule of obligation. It is, I want, I desire you, Lord. I want to know you in a deeper way. Christ invites us to fast. And that's what I want us to do today as we look into Matthew 6. It's just to understand the background behind what's happening. Let's just take a trip for a moment. Let's step on this mountainside. We're in the year 80, 30 to 31. Jesus is at the beginning of his ministry. He's preaching his heart out to this Galilean crowd on this mountainside. There are people all around us left and right. Jesus is preaching on several subjects on this sermon he's preaching on the mount. And of the subjects he mentions, he mentions the word fasting in the text. But as we look around, we realize that everybody listening already knows what he's talking about, even if we don't, and we're not as familiar with the subject. But suddenly, we realize why they know what he's talking about, why he doesn't have to go into some explanation as much as he goes into giving a correction. And here's what it is. The people listening in that day, they already had the Old Testament law. They were immersed in it. They knew the law. They knew what it taught. They already knew that God required fasting on the Day of Atonement annually in Leviticus 23. They were already familiar with fasting because of that. But the problem here in the text is that in this crowd and in this culture of that day are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they took fasting and they did something bad with it. They began to take what God intended in Leviticus and they added all these certain laws to everything about the law, including fasting. So the Old Testament Pharisees said, hey, you're really not fasting. You're really not really serious about God until you fast on Mondays and Thursdays, once a week or twice a week. So what happened is the Old Testament law billboards of the Pharisees began to fast in this way and they did what a billboard does. They advertised their spirituality. They elevated their spirituality. And they wanted everybody to know that they were fasting. So Jesus shows up. He's preaching on this subject. The whole Galilean audience already knows about it. But now they have all these wrong misrepresentations about fasting. They thought you're going to fast this day and that day and this way and all. And Jesus shows up and says, hey... No! Everybody listen. And when he shows up, the Jewish audience that has been deceived in this wrong way of fasting, he shows up to correct that deception and then to direct the audience towards true biblical fasting. And what we find in the text is Jesus shows up, he rescues the wrong mindset about fasting And he now is giving the people hope 
direction, wisdom as to what fasting needs to look like in the life of a follower of Jesus. Today, there are three different truths that Christ teaches for fasting to take its rightful place in our walk with Christ. And so what we're going to do is dive into Matthew 6 and see what Jesus actually has to say. And what you and I would want to say is like right now at the beginning of the message where we're just kind of thinking about these things, we would want to really ask ourselves the question, am I fasting? Like, is it a part of my walk with Jesus? And you and I would not want to be able to say, if it's not, we wouldn't want to be able to say, well, oh well. Instead, we would want to say, why not? Why is it not if it is in Scripture? Why would I not want to fast if it is in Scripture? The question really is now kind of the elephant in the room where we would just kind of want to say, okay, if Scripture teaches this and Jesus explains it, then the question is, do I need it? One of the things that we've got to always guard and be careful is as Jesus gets into the text, is we just want to be very careful to be able to say, hey, I've gotten by this long without it. Why not keep going? It's not really a part of my life, and I think I'm doing okay with Christ. What we would want to say is, Lord, fasting is important to you, so it needs to be important to me. question here is, Jesus, what do you say? What can we learn? What do we see? So let's just do this. Go with me in your Bible there to Matthew 6, and let's see what Christ actually says about fasting. He begins here very simply at verse 16. At the very beginning, he says, Moreover, he's changing subjects here. Moreover, when you fast. The thing that I want you to take note of right away is the question of the statement of when you fast. Notice he does not say if you fast, but when you fast. It seems to imply that Jesus has fasting as a part of his message here that fasting is expected, but is never to be excused. So what you and I would want to be able to conclude today is that, hey, fasting is expected. So if fasting is not a part of my walk with Jesus, but Jesus expects it to be, then maybe I need to humble myself. And come to Christ and be able to say, Lord Jesus, I have no excuse and I'm not going to make any excuses. Lord, I need to seek you in fasting. And the duration of that fast and how long it takes or how often it is, is completely between the person and God. Because there's no guideline, there's no legalistic, there's no, it's just your discretion, you and Christ, and it's you and him. But the key, the key is it's expected. So now what do we do with this? Let's just go ahead and own this for just this moment while we can. Let's just face it, okay? For most of us today, it, very could, it could very possibly be this reality right here is that we know very little about the subject of fasting. And I'm not talking about just knowledge of it in the Scripture. I mean in conviction and in practice. It could be that it's that, that our Christian lives have been being lived, but fasting has not been a part of that. For some reason, and, and, and we don't really, we're not going to get into all the details, but for some reason, it's just not. 
But yet what we find is that it needs to be. And, and fasting is all over the pages of Scripture. It's taught throughout the Bible. So why is it not in my life? I have been so convicted about this. Personally, even in studying and preparing for the message, I have been thinking in my own life that I, my flesh is so weak and what I, how I have been so full of myself and so full of my agenda and, what, and not and neglecting this time. And so I myself have erred as the sheep did on the screen and I need to return back to this as my discipline in my life with Christ as well. And maybe there are some that could join me in that, but what we know is that that's what we find here. It's all over the Scripture. And here's what we see. Even in the Old Testament, Moses fasted 40 days on behalf of Israel's sin in Deuteronomy chapter 10. We find in the Old Testament, David fasted and he mourned the death of his newborn child in 2 Samuel 12. Elijah fasted 40 days after running from Jezebel in 1 Kings 19. In the New Testament, Anna the prophetess fasted when she was waiting on the coming Messiah in Luke chapter 2. Jesus our Lord fasted 40 days while he was in the wilderness in temptation with Satan in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Even the Apostle Paul, when he got saved on the Damascus Road in Acts 9, he fasted for three days after that. He was, uh, he was at sea on a sinking ship in Acts 27 and fasted 14 days. This is just six examples, but there are numerous dozens of other verses in the Bible that spell out fasting and expectation for people who are who belong to the Lord. So my question to you today is just a simple question. I think it deserves an answer between us and Christ. And it would be this. How can we be so biblically exposed to the teaching of fasting and yet be so grossly disconnected from the power of its practice in our lives? The conviction of my own heart is in that regard too. And if you're like me or I'm like you, maybe we can come on the same page here together and just say, you know, I know I can't deny it. I know it's in Scripture. I know it's right. I know that Jesus expects it. So the biggest question i got to answer is, am I going to step toward Christ and begin to implement fasting in my walk with Jesus just like I do studying my Bible? Am I going to seek the Lord in this spiritual discipline? I'm disciplined to study my Bible, so I should be disciplined to fast and to pray, and to go to church, and to share the gospel, and to love my neighbor. Disciplines. Fasting somehow has fallen off the map. It has lost its way out of the Christian way of thinking. Fasting does not seem to be very common, not very practiced. And what we want to do is return to that. We want to make sure in our own personal walk with Christ, we go back to the text and we say, Jesus said, when you fast, and he goes forth from there. The question really then would be, okay, Lord, that's your response. I want to know what you want to know what my response is to. Think about this, y'all. In a culture today that we live in, it's obsessed with gratification and pleasure. Amen? Obsessed. We have gratification and pleasure everywhere. Fasting, when you live in a society like we live in, and you've got food everywhere by the droves, it's all over the place. We can go and eat anytime, anywhere, and you got to even pick where you're going to eat, right? Because you've got so many options. We are not short-changed when it comes to food, and yet food is involved in fasting. In a culture that is immersed in this kind of stuff, fasting can become viewed as something to be avoided to the Christian. 
instead of something that is actually expected. You know, I got a picture of this in my own house the other day. I was in the kitchen, and our, my, my, my two daughters, Abigail and Adeline, are five and six years old. And anyway, uh, I just remember we were feeding them some lunch. I had some Lunchables. We had something to give them uh, quickly before we moved on to something else. And I remember uh, pulling the Lunchables out, and they have little candies in them, little chocolate candies. Do I have any Lunchable fans today? Anybody like Lunchables? All right, I'm not making a commercial for them, I assure you. I'm just mentioning this as a question, all right? So anyway, the, uh, I, I gave them the Lunchables, and I got the chocolate pieces of candy out. Now, I did not assign the chocolates because they were the same. Abigail, this is yours. Adeline, this is yours. Instead, I put them aside on the counter. I said, when you finish your Lunchable, you can have the chocolate, okay? They said, okay, Dad. They began to eat. Well, unbeknownst to me, my son Noah is coming through the house. He walks behind me. I didn't know this. My girls didn't know it. He took one of the pieces of chocolate off the counter, put it in his pocket, and walked out the back door. Okay? So I remember I, when all this happened later, I figured it out. But in the meantime, they get done, they're eating, and, and everything's great. And then all of a sudden, it's time to eat the chocolate. So I turn around and I reach for the chocolate, and there's only one. Like we're in crisis mode now, right? So I'm trying to think, okay, well, I got to figure out where did it go? I mean, I just had it right here. All of a sudden, Adeline, you have to know my Adeline. Her five-year-old personality came out, and she had this, this real sad face on, and she, she looked at Abigail and she said, Abigail, I am so sorry that you lost your chocolate. <laughs> I'm like, where does she get this? I didn't teach her that. Jillian didn't teach her that. The point, the biggest point is that in that moment, I'm thinking, yeah, that's what it's like gratification, pleasure. I want what I want, and I want it now. Yes? Is that not the society we're in? Immediate gratification. And if you have to wait more than a couple of minutes, it's a bad day. See, that's the kind of stuff that shouldn't be there. We live in a society that that's what we are bent to. It is, it is very tempting for you and I to fall into that trap. That's what we've got to realize, y'all. The average American family in national stats spends about 1200 bucks a year on fast food. If you and I equated that on an annual basis for the world, it would be about a $110 billion industry which would solve world hunger for three years in a row. We have no trouble getting gratified. The question is that when I practice fasting and I live in the culture that I live in, I really have to be committed to the fact of, Jesus, I'm going without food that I may seek your face because you expect me to fast. Donald Whitney made a statement about this years ago in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And here's what he said. He said, Christians in a gluttonous, denialist, self-indulgent society may struggle to accept and to begin the practice of fasting. Few disciplines go so radically against the flesh and mainstream of our culture as this one. Without a spiritual purpose, he says your fast is just a weight loss fast. The biblical definition of fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Without the spiritual purpose, again, it's a weight loss fast. And without a purpose, fasting can become a miserable, self-centered experience. Whitney's on to something there too because that's what happens. When fasting is practiced because Jesus expects it, 
The Christian then going without food is now going to fast and then realizes, wait a minute, the thing to remember about fasting is that it's voluntary. It's not forced. It's not like every Monday you got to fast, every Thursday. Otherwise, you look like a Pharisee. I look like a Pharisee. Instead, the fasting for the Christian is the choice, the selection of the believer saying, I am choosing to fast to seek the Lord. I just am choosing to fast. Sometimes it's in a prayer time in which there is a request and we're needing to know God's answer and wisdom. Many times fasting is just whenever a Christian is going through a time where they're just spiritually insensitive. They're dull. They maybe have, they have had neglected their prayer closet. Maybe they have had, they have had times where they're just, they're just kind of away from Christ and they, they need to come back. Fasting jump starts that meet the immediacy of that need with Christ. Begin to show us how much we need him in that way. It's voluntary, not forced, and it is spiritually purposed. It's not carelessly aimless. Fasting to fast is not what Jesus is teaching in the scriptures as much as it is fasting that has purpose. So what happens when we fast is that we voluntarily fast, yes, but we do so by replacing food with prayer and study of the word. That's what happens. Sometimes people fast on their lunch break. They'll be at work. They'll skip lunch that day because they're fasting. They won't let anybody know about it, of course. They'll go to the truck or their car. They'll sit in there, and they'll fast, and they'll read scripture and pray. Fasting in the way that has purpose to it is important because if somebody tries to fast, and there is no replacement of the food with the word, then you and I become miserable. There's nothing in it. It seems like something you don't want to do anymore because I'm just so hungry, I want a double cheeseburger right now. Right? Otherwise, we've got to replace it with something. And the something is the other manna, the other food we get to have, which is Scripture. Remember, we won't fast if we don't guard ourselves from being controlled by and conformed to an overindulgent society that makes fasting a burden. We don't want to look at fasting as if it's something to go, oh man, I have to do that. Do I really need? It needs to be something that's not burdensome. In the bigger picture, just remember this, that fasting is really about the absence of self more than it is the absence of food. It's when you and I are able to break the self, the flesh down. How is this true? It's because we remove ourselves from food So we can intensely concentrate on God, and that's how we develop a hunger for Christ. In Matthew 5 and 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And that's our goal. Jesus says, when you hunger and thirst for me, you shall be filled. So everybody listen, when we are going without food because of fasting, Because Jesus expects it. We can't excuse it. He expects it when we fast. When we go without food, we are, our flesh is so weak, right? It's so weak. And we are so vulnerable. But when he, when we are able to break the flesh down and lose confidence in the flesh, all of a sudden, all of our energy and our attention, whatever's left, goes directly to Christ. We find ourselves running into his arms. We find ourselves wanting to sit at his feet, wanting to have the word of God. 
That's what begins to happen. Suddenly I'm hungry for food, yes. But now greater is the hunger in me for Christ. That's why fasting is needed. The roar of our faith becomes greater than the growl in our belly. A deeper, closer relationship with Jesus begins to take off. Suddenly scripture, as we read it, Now it's bursting with life as we read it because we are right there in his presence. Personal revival sets our hearts on fire. Our countenance begins to radiate with the spirit of God because we are fasting, we're seeking him. And the nearness of Christ is so powerful. Many people who've not fasted don't understand the value of its practice when we do. But those of us that have fasted maybe and and it's been neglected for some time, You know by testimony the value of its power. Christ meets with us in that point of weakness. Listen to these words on the screen from different passages in the scripture where prayer and fasting are practiced. Beginning here with Nehemiah. He says, here, so it was. When I heard these words that I sat down and I wept. And I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah said this before he would rebuild the walls. Listen to the next verse in Ezra, the scribe. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. We find this in Esther. Before she was going to go before the king on behalf of the Jews, Esther says in chapter 4, Go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan, and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. But she would not do so without fasting. Acts chapter 14, when they sent them out in the New Testament, it says when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The elders fasted over those and prayed over those who would be sent out for the glory of God to get the gospel out there. In Matthew 17, Jesus says this after a miracle. He says, however, this does not kind, this kind does not come out, go out except by prayer and fasting. All over the scripture we are told and we are taught and we are seeing this and we inform all over the Bible. This subject is a part of the lives of God's people. And the question I'm still asking myself, Why isn't it a part of mine? What's happened to me? Jesus says, the truth is, fasting is expected, but it's not excused. Today, may there be no excuse, and may there only be fulfilled expectations from our heart to Christ. Jesus says also in this text, if you'll notice in Matthew 6, catch this. He says, when you fast, at verse 16, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. It seems to be here in the text that Jesus changes the direction and he says, okay, you already know when you fast. Clearly, you know I expect you to fast. So when you start fasting, he says, just don't be like the hypocrites. Back in the day, that hypocrite term in the Greek culture, it, just, it was a word that meant an actor wearing a mask. That's all it was. 
It was an actor wearing a mask. Jesus says the Pharisees are fasting and they're basically putting on a show. They're putting on a show because they want everybody in public to know what they're doing in private. But they're not doing it in private because they've made it public. And he's wanting them to understand, hey, 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 guys, when you fast, make sure you don't look at this example because that's the wrong way. He says they were disfiguring their faces. And he wants fasting to be done without hypocrisy. This is why fasting is to be normal, not to be noisy. It's to be normal because it's expected. But it's not to be noisy because we don't draw attention to it. It's not like you and I would be fasting and we would walk up to somebody and say, Hey, what you doing today? I'm fasting today. What are you doing? How's your walk with God? You know, we wouldn't want to basically brag about that. It's something that we do between us in Christ. It is a private fast. Now, in Scripture, there are public fasts, there are solemn assemblies, there are congregational fasts, there's even in Scripture national fasts. But this specific text is Christ talking in relationship to the believer in a private relational fast. And what we know about that is he says, don't be like the hypocrites who disfigure their faces. The word disfigure is a word that translates no shine. It simply meant that they wanted the sympathy and the applause of men. They, their face would disfigure because they didn't want anything to be saying other than, I'm miserable, I'm suffering, would you feel sorry for me? That was the big picture. You know, I can remember years ago, I was like 13, and my mom had our other son, and his name is John. And I got the bright idea one day to try something that I'd never tried. Now, John was born, and so by the time I was 13, he was about one years old. And I was given at that time some candies that were called crybabies. Has anybody ever heard of those? They're super sour, y'all. Like you'll cry when you eat one. Well, I did, at least. So I had these crybabies, and man, every time I'd try one, I'd say, my sister, can you taste it? Can you, can you not make an expression for the first 30 seconds? You know, we would do these tests. Well, I had the bright idea to try that on my one-year-old brother. And y'all, listen. So I got with John one day. Nobody was around. It was just he and I in the living room, and I was watching him and gave him a crybaby. And let me just tell you, like, I had no idea the human face can make that many expressions. John, John began to, he, he his, like, I've never, I wish I had a way, I didn't have a cell phone, of course, back then, but, you know, I wish I had a way to try to take a picture, but his face was going all kinds of ways, and then all of a sudden he started gagging and, and, and coughing loud. I thought, oh, no, I've messed up. So sure enough, I did that, and I did it again and again until one day I got caught by my mama. And let's just say I got lit up, and I was the crybaby after that. Y'all, I said, it was not good for me. All right, never did it again. But the pro, I think I ruined John because I don't know. He's 30 years old now. I don't know if he's cried a day since. But it's just crazy. I can just remember the face. And so when I was looking at this text, I was thinking about that. And, and that's the way the Pharisees were trying to be. They wanted to draw attention. And so the bigger picture here for you and I to understand is that when we privately fast, we don't make noise to draw attention to ourselves as to announce what is between us and Christ. Y'all, if we ever have to look miserable to be considered spiritual, we've missed the point of fasting anyway. We just need Jesus. And that brings me here to the end of this text, and I want you to see what it is together. Where we know fasting is expected, but it's not excused. 
So if I've ever made an excuse for it, it's time to put that out the door and say, okay, Lord, I'm going forward. I need to make sure fasting is a part of my walk with you because you teach it here, Jesus. But when I do, Lord Jesus, I'm not going to make noise about it. It's not to draw attention. It's between you and I. It's expected. That's why it should be normal for me to fast. But look at the next verse. He says this. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Wow. Jesus is given a direction here, and here's, the, here's what it says. The truth about fasting is that fasting should be rewarded, not ritualistic. Fasting is not to be something that's done out of ritual and routine as much as it is the Christian who wakes up on a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday or a Saturday and just says, in the week, you know what? Today, I'm going to fast. In prayer, I'm talking to God about this. Lord, today, I'm skipping breakfast. I'm not going to eat till supper. I'm going to skip lunch and breakfast. I just want to seek you today, Lord. Today, I'm going to go without this. I'm going to fast for the next 24 hours. It doesn't matter how long. It doesn't matter the day. Somebody in the first service just said, wow, I've never thought about the fact that this does not mean This doesn't mean I need to be intimidated by fasting, thinking I have to go for 40 days. I'm like, of course you don't. What we need to remember is that God lets us fast because he lets us come into his presence. Amen? And when we fast, that's what begins to happen. So the duration, the time, the frequency is between you and Christ. But what matters is that we do fast, and it is rewarding. When Jesus says here in this text, He says, anoint your head and wash your face when you fast so that you don't appear to men to be fasting. What we've got to remember here, the Father who sees in secret. Remember that. Let's let that sink in. God sees in secret. Private fasting is really our little secret between us and God. It it keeps us grounded in this way. And to keep it this way, Jesus says, put oil on your head and wash your face. In other words, back in the culture of that day, that meant one thing. They were used to that understanding. In our day, we might easily say, okay, when I fast, this is what it looks like for me. The biggest picture here is that it eliminates anybody figuring out that we're fasting. It eliminates people figuring out that we're we're fasting in that kind of way. It's kind of like when you take a shower and you don't look like you just got out of bed. You woke up now that you've had a shower. Jesus says, anoint your head, wash your face. It's his way of saying, do what you have to do to eliminate drawing attention to what is between you and I. Because that is between you and God in secret. Contextually, when we do that in the secret, it is with God. The word secret is a language, and the language is a word that meant concealed, hidden. It's very private between us and Christ. And the scripture is telling us here In this context here, that essentially God sees our fasting. He literally knows how hard it is to go without food. He understands. So when you and I fast, we don't need to think that God is indifferent to that. He knows that there's a suffering there. He understands that those hunger pains are real. And that it has basically interrupted 
the way that we normally would live our life, when you go without food, you have really done something to the point of where you're saying, God, I am serious about wanting my connection with you. I want to relate to you. Lord, I want to seek you. I want to grow in you, Christ. I want to abide in you. I want to come near you. Fasting jump starts that. Fasting begins to take off in that relationship with God in that way. It is done in secret. But remember, our fasting is never to be done to impress God. It's not done to manipulate God's favor. Fasting is not ever done to make demands of God, saying, I'm fasting, so I expect you to do this. That's not the way it works. In humility, we fast. We humble ourselves in our fast. We come alongside Christ and we seek his face for who he is, not for what he can give us. It's just to be in relationship with him and to seek him in this way. The reward for us in fasting is two blessings of hope that begin to be realized for the Christian. Number one, it's that God sees. He actually sees our fasting. Everybody let that sink in for just a minute, okay? Because I'm excited about thinking about it. Just think about it for just a moment. You have right here in the scripture a, 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 a verse and passage that is indicating that God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, creator of the world, pays attention to the person who comes into the secret place with him in fasting. Wow. A lot of times people say, I don't know where the Lord is, or how, how come God hasn't answered this? Or how? When you and I begin to fast, it is a guarantee 100% God is watching and he notices. Amen? In the secret with the Father. The concealed, the revealed is here. And when this begins to happen, we are reaching out to him. It's like a father and a child relationship where God is saying, I see you, Jeremy. I see where you are. I notice you in this weakness. I know you're hungry, but I'm so glad that you want to come after me more than you do the food at this moment. I'm here to help you, connect with you. He's going to come near us in that kind of way. Many times when we fast, that's what we begin to experience is, is this reality of what's happening. But second of all, he says in the text, your father who sees will reward you openly. Many times fasting is reduced and stigmatized to be, well, I fasted so I'm going to get that answer to prayer I've been praying about. That is secondary. The primary is this, our reward, the real reward in fasting is Jesus. It's him. It's just him. Let's just do this for a moment. Go back to the beginning of Genesis, chapter 15, verse 1. Look what God told Abraham here in this passage when he was going to bless him. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Amen. Abram, you're going to be blessed with so many. You can't even count the stars of descendants. Abram, you're going to be given so much for Israel. But God let Abram know, Abram, it's not all this stuff. It's not all these outcomes. It's not all these things. Lord, or Abram, I am your reward. It's me. That's what it is. Whenever fasting begins to take off, and we begin to get serious about this, and we start saying, you know what, I've gone too long 
without fasting being a part of my walk with Jesus? What am I thinking? I read my Bible, I pray, I go to church. Why would I not fast? Fasting, when it starts becoming a part of our Christian life and seeking the Lord, we will find as we fast that it's not just answer to prayer with our fasting. It is the revived and awakened sensitivity of the presence of Jesus Christ while we pray. And that is rewarding enough, no matter how often or when he answers. That's enough. And the great thing about it all is that simply that's what it all points to is Christ. My encouragement here today is just to remember this. According to Jesus... Fasting is expected, but it's not excused. Fasting is therefore to be normal, but it's never to be noisy. Fasting is rewarding, not ritualistic. And the reward in fasting above all, above all, is that suddenly I sense the nearness of Christ as my body is broken down. I'm physically depriving myself of food for a season of time. And in a season of that time, I'm going to run to the feet of Jesus. And I'm going to seek his face for who he is, not for what he can do to answer, just for who he is, because he is my reward. And as I do this, I know, I know that he sees me. I'm noticed among the seven billion on the planet. He sees me, he knows me, and he knows my name. Amen? And as I fast, I know that this relationship and this fellowship is that I'm getting to hear from Christ as Christ is hearing from me. And I am sensing and seeing and understanding more by fasting than I would without. See, today, if there's anybody here that you just don't have a relationship with Jesus, The Jesus I'm talking about that is the Son of God that died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead. Fasting will really have no value. It'll have no point to fast in a relationship with someone you don't know. For anybody lost without Christ today, the gospel is really the answer, not fasting, for you. And as a friend, somebody who loves you and don't even have to know you, I know the God that created you. And I love you already because of him. He died on the cross for your sins. Jesus rose from the dead. That's the whole message of what we all want to know is the most important message this earth can ever be told. And that's that Christ loves sinners. He saves us from sin. And if you're lost without Christ today, today I pray that you repent, see your need for Jesus Christ, turn from the sin, turn to Christ Jesus to be saved, and believe the gospel. But as we have this time of invitation now, And we go into this time of just pray and seek the Lord. Let's do this right here. I want to ask you a question. This is a question that we all would ask for all of us who are followers of Jesus, just to kind of close the service out and focus in on what this would be, okay? Here's the question, and you have it in your notes as well. If fasting has not been part of my walk with Jesus, am I willing for it to be now? That's a question. It would not be ideal to say, well, you know, maybe fasting's for other Christians, but it's not for me. We can't say that according to Scripture. According to the Scripture, we we look at this and go, wow, I really can't deny that it's there. 
I can't deny that it is the practice of Old and New Testament saints. I can clearly see that fasting was a part of that lifestyle, that life they lived for the Lord. What I'd ask you to do is this. If we know we have been going all this time and living this walk with Jesus, but somehow fasting just hasn't found its way into the spiritual disciplines of our life. The question is not to argue that. The question is just to ask yourself in the simplicity of this question, why? If you're like me, I don't have an answer. I don't have an excuse. My only answer is because I just have neglected that. I haven't really sought it out enough. I need to seek the Lord in this. Today, for all who are followers of Jesus, if fasting is a part of your walk with Christ, keep it up. And may the Lord Jesus continue to reward you with the power of his presence. But if any of us, we just know that this is an area that needs to be included. Somehow we got this far without it. And we just need to say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to come to your feet, Lord. And I'm ready to discipline myself in my walk with you to include fasting as much as I would include studying my Bible or going to church. I want to be disciplined in this, that I may follow you, Jesus, in this way. Whoever we may be. This is a time in this time of invitation. Let's talk with Christ. Let's talk to him about this. Let's come to him in prayer. And let's make sure that we don't leave this place without answering that question. Let's pray. Lord God, we seek you right now in the only way we know how. And God, I pray that for anyone here today that's lost without Christ, that you would draw by the conviction of your Holy Spirit and draw them to you, Lord. I pray for all followers of Jesus. Jesus, help us to understand what you've taught here in the text. Seal this in our hearts and may it be a deeply embedded conviction that we practice that we walk with you in fasting. And for those who never have fasted or haven't fasted in a while, may this start now. And may we experience the power of your presence and nearing your heart and you communicating with us anything in our own lives that you want to speak to us about so that we can look more and more like Jesus. We pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Stand and let's seek the Lord together.